Thank you for tuning in to this webinar, Information Security, a Primer for Business Leaders. This webinar is hosted by AGH University and presented by AGH. AGH's technology services professionals are experienced in leveraging technology to solve organizational issues and meet goals while managing and mitigating the associated potential risks. Today's speaker is Brian Johnson. Brian leads the firm's technology services practice where he helps clients achieve measurable performance improvements through the delivery of specialized, competency-based information systems management, assurance, and advisory services. He has extensive experience in information security, network engineering, and solution development with recognized specializations in governance, risk, control, and related consulting services. Information technology fuels our modern business processes, and those processes are exposed to an increasingly complex array of information security risks. Addressing those risks is critical to ensuring the ongoing success of our organizations. This presentation introduces information security principles that we can reliably use to better understand and address our security needs. It's an introductory resource for business leaders and managers who are new to information security, but are being called upon to protect and sustain their information systems and the processes that rely on them. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate the introduction. I assume everybody can hear me okay. If not, uh, let us know through the chat box. As Mike had indicated, this is information security, a primer for business leaders. Uh, and I'm Brian Johnson, Senior Vice President of Technology Services here at Allen Gibson Hillick. Uh, so what's our message objective today? What I'd like to do is introduce you to some information security principles that you can use to understand and address your security needs. And more important, to better prepare you to protect and sustain your information systems and the processes that rely on those systems. Uh, we have a three-part agenda. Uh, we're going to start by talking a little bit about something we call the leadership gap. And we're going to use that to make the case for considering IT governance frameworks in the second part of the presentation. And then we'll quickly shift to a more in-depth perspective of what that means in the context of information security. Uh, I want to emphasize and remind everybody that this really is a primer. Uh, it's designed to be an introduction for business leaders and managers who are new to information security. Uh, or if you have some experience with information security, maybe help you think a little bit differently about the topic and uh, hopefully give you a, a unique perspective on what we can do as business leaders to affect change within our respective organizations. As Mike had indicated, we are going to be uh, putting up polling questions. Uh, these are obviously important to those of you that are uh, attending for CPE. Uh, so we would ask that you uh, answer those questions. And Mike, if you can help me, I think we'll pop up the first question. And that question is, does your organization have information security training and awareness programs for senior leadership? Does your organization have information security training and awareness programs for your senior leadership? And really what we're after here is, are you doing something specific and unique for the roles within your executives and the board? Uh, we hope that you're doing some type of awareness and training for everybody in the organization, but are you tailoring that, if you will, uh, for specific, specific roles and responsibilities. So we're going to give you a little bit of time here to answer those. And uh, once we've gotten that time lapse, Mike will pop up those results for us. And so we'll give everybody a few more seconds. And again, you know, the key point here is, are we doing something specific for our senior leadership groups? 
Brian, we've got the poll closed, and it looks like we had about 58% of the audience say that they do have some sort of training and awareness programs for senior leadership available to them. Okay, and it looks like 35% no and 8% don't know. Uh, hats off to those of you that are tailoring, tailoring those uh, training and awareness programs. And for those of you that aren't, uh, you know, this is something that we would certainly encourage you to consider. Uh, we included it as a polling question, obviously, because we think it's a good idea. Uh, but uh, security awareness training for senior leadership is uh, what we would consider, at least, a good best practice. So let's get into the agenda, and we're going to start by talking about this concept of the leadership gap. And I want to introduce that by way of sharing some guidance from an organization called ISACA. Uh, ISACA used to stand for Information Systems Audit and Control Association. Uh, since then, it's actually changed its name to the acronym itself, in part because they've expanded a bit of their role and are providing a lot of global leadership in information security and IT governance. Uh, one of the things that I'm particularly impressed with is the quality of primary research that ISACA conducts uh, on behalf of the information security space. And what I want to do today is share some of that research with you because I think it's particularly germane to the topic that we're going to present. Uh, and this particular research uh, was actually focused on this idea of how do you provide better tech governance and what does that mean for in terms of the business. Uh, it was conducted through the summer of 2017 and then published this late last fall. And the research itself was based on a very fundamental assertion. And that assertion was that the increase in the number of cybersecurity events that we're seeing in combination with the innovative disruption we're seeing with advanced technologies is really elevating this concept of governance or oversight of technology into boardrooms across the globe. Uh, in other words, we're starting to get the attention of our most senior leadership. But that raises a really interesting question, and that was the important question that ISACA was trying to answer with the research. And that question is, how are our senior leaders handling this growing responsibility for the effective oversight of all things digital, including information security. So what I thought we could do is talk a little bit about some of the key findings. I'm not going to present the entire research report to you here today. Uh, I am going to provide links at the end of the slide deck if this is something that you find interesting. But there's some key findings here that I think are incredibly important when providing an introduction to information security to business leaders. Uh, one of the first things that they discovered, I guess it wasn't a big surprise, but nine in 10 senior leaders surveyed agreed that better governance of information technology leads to better economic outcomes and more business agility. And this would be consistent with our notion that the better we manage something, the better the results. Uh, unfortunately, more than two-thirds of the respondents said that they felt their company's top leadership really needed to do a better job and prioritize the strengthening of connections between IT and business goals. In other words, they didn't feel that they were doing everything they could to ensure that the goals of the IT were in sync and aligned with what they were trying to accomplish as an organization. Two-thirds of those same organizations that were polled had actually increased spending on risk management in the past year. So that would have been 2015 to 2016. 
Yeah, and disturbingly, barely more than half agreed that their boards and their executive teams were doing all that they could to safeguard the organization's digital assets, you know, including exercising enough efforts over information security. There was one question that I found particularly interesting, so I decided to produce it in the presentation. And that question was, how often is your senior leadership briefed about risk topics such as cybersecurity, disaster recovery, and business continuity? And I might point out too that this research went out to people that were senior leaderships in organizations, a lot of CEOs, uh, chief information officers, CIOs, CFOs, uh, some high-level HR people, uh, chief information security officers, uh, and there were 732 of these participants in 87 countries and industries ranging from public sector to finance and healthcare. And what they reported is that only 21% of those surveyed said that their senior leadership discussed these topics at every board meeting. Now, you know, I'll leave it to you to consider what an appropriate percentage would be, but I would suggest that 21% probably isn't enough. And I interpreted the 34% that we see here on the as needed to mean basically if there was some type of business case being made for budgeting or expenditures, or unfortunately, some type of security event may have happened. But uh, this is what they reported. Uh, they also looked at what these entities considered to be their top challenges, and I've included the top three here. And on the top of the list, no surprise, was cybersecurity policies and defenses. So, you know, these entities considered amongst their senior leadership group that information security, as an example, was one of the top challenges. Uh, behind that was risk management priorities at number two. And then going back to this concept again of how well are we aligning our IT objectives with the overall enterprise objectives of our respective businesses. So these were the top three challenges. Uh, how are boardrooms looking at this? Well, some of the boardroom leadership worries were over increased internal and external threats. And that was so great, in fact, that almost half of the leadership teams that were included in this research had prioritized investments in cyber defense improvements over all of the programs that were related to IT. There was a companion document, and I've included a link to that as well, that accompanied the research that you know, drew some pretty interesting contrast between what leaders say and what those same leaders do. So I want to spend just a few more minutes and talk a little bit about that. Uh, interestingly, as we just discussed, you know, leaders said that cybersecurity was their number one, number one governance challenge, yet only 15% of those organizations plan to increase spending on data security training for its board members. So despite the fact that cybersecurity was the greatest challenge, you know, only 15% were making investments to better prepare their board members to evaluate and assess that challenge. They said that risk management was the number two governance challenge, but moving forward, only a third plan to fund increases in their enterprise risk management programs. 64% believe that internal threats are on the rise, and by internal threats, we're talking about security failures or continuity events that could be caused by employees, either intentionally or accidentally, of course. And oftentimes, we'll include key business partners and uh, third-party contracted vendors, depending upon the level of their 
uh, access in that category. But 64% believed that those threats were on the rise, yet only 35% plan to fund any type of increase in data security training and awareness programs for their employees. Again, a suggestion that there's a gap between what we're saying as leadership and what we're actually doing. And so when they took this research in its entirety and tried to develop some recommendations for enterprises like ours, they came up with five key takeaways. And I think these are all relevant. And what I would ask you to consider as we go through and talk about these is think about your own organizations and how this particular takeaway or these takeaways, I should say, would apply to you. And the first was is if we're going to have any idea that we're shrinking our security budgets, we need to analyze the risk to the enterprise. You know, we're not operating in an environment or a context, you know, where it's probably a great idea to shrink those budgets, yet some enterprises are. You know, the takeaway is if you're going to do that, make sure you understand the risk that you're exposing the organization to. Ensure tech expertise is represented into the boardroom. Uh, this kind of goes back to this idea that if you remember the number three challenge was getting the alignment between IT goals and business goals. Uh, we have to get more tech expertise represented in our boardrooms. And by the way, organizations like ISACA uh, who provide global thought leadership and information security aren't the only folks saying this. If you look to general governance recommendation, you'll see a similar suggestion. Conduct continuous security awareness training. And the key word here is continuous, no one and does. No having somebody go through a tutorial when they come on board. Uh, you know, this needs to be done on a continuous basis, uh, positive reinforcement. And I would also add that that type of training really needs to be tailored. You know, we need to consider the roles and responses of the people for which we're providing training. Uh, some training is general purpose. But in other areas, the needs are different. You know, if you're providing security awareness training for your cash management group, for example, that's probably a lot different than the people that are working out on the operational inventory. And most importantly, as we've already stressed, I think it's incredibly important that we begin to arm our senior leadership and our boards with the training that they need to better evaluate the risks that we need to address. Align tech investments with enterprise strategy and specifically tech investments in information security. You know, we need to ensure that as we allocate scarce resources for tech and information security, that they're being allocated in the areas where we're exposed to the most risk. Because tech is expensive, information security is expensive, and we need to spend those dollars wisely. And then finally, and I think this is really important, research and employee industry best practices and security controls. You don't have to bake your own or roll your own. Uh, there's an abundance, an abundance of incredibly good guidance and standards and best practices to choose from. You know, the trick of course is picking the ones that are most relevant to your organization and tailoring them to your specific needs. But the point here is you don't necessarily have to create these on your own. There's plenty of support to be had. So these were the five takeaways from this research that ISACA just completed. And they kind of provide a foundation, if you will, for some of the discussion that we're going to continue on with in the webinar today. But before we do that, I think this is a great place to introduce uh, our next polling question. So Mike, if I could ask for your assistance on this, it'd be much appreciated. 
And this question is, is there an ongoing process to ensure alignment of information security with business objectives? Is there an ongoing process to ensure alignment of information security with business objectives at your respective organizations? In other words, we do it repeatedly. You know, we're looking at what we're doing with information security and we're ensuring that it's supporting the business objectives that we have within the entity. And it looks like the responses are flowing in. And so, Mike, I'll have you keep that up, you know, for the appropriate amount of time to satisfy our CPE requirements. But it looks like we're kind of stabilizing at 71% uh, have responded yes, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, we have 14% no and 14% don't know. Um, what I would encourage you to consider if you're not doing it or if you don't know, uh, that this is an area where you can have a significant impact uh, on your information security posture within your organization. And I think as you sit around in your senior leadership teams and talk about strategy and business objectives, you know, start raising the discussion of what are our information security requirements related to that as well. And for the 71% that said yes, uh, you know, hats off, uh, that's terrific news. So, Mike, if you'll just at the appropriate time close that down and and uh, and let me know, and we'll uh, keep on keeping on. We're good to go, Brian. All right, thanks. All right, so we talked a little bit about this leadership gap. You know, this notion that you know we could really do more to align uh, IT and IT goals with the enterprise goals. Uh, you know, but the pressing question, of course, would be, you know, what can I do within my organization to better bridge that gap? And that's going to lead us into the second part of the presentation. And what I want to do is introduce this notion of IT governance and the impact it could have and of helping us narrow the gap and better align uh, our IT and information security goals with that of our respective organizations. Before we do that, though, I want to present another assertion because I think this is, assertion is important in laying that foundation. And, you know, what we would ask you to consider within your own organizations is if this is true. You know, information uh, from our view is a key resource in all enterprises. And in, in some enterprises, it is the critical resource. But information is a key resource for all enterprises. And from the time that information is created until the moment that it's destroyed, what we'll oftentimes call the information life cycle, technology plays a significant role because quite often it's the technology that we're using to create, manage, and destroy the information. And that information technology is increasingly advanced. It's become pervasive in enterprises of all sizes and it doesn't really matter whether you're a commercial entity or not-for-profit or in the public sector. You know, information technology has become critically important supporting the key business processes by which we run our organizations. And that in itself, as an assertion, I think raises another interesting question. And that question is, how can we, you know, as senior leaders within our respective organizations, create optimal value for our stakeholders from that information technology. You know, what can we do to ensure that we're getting value from our IT and information security investments? And I think the answer to that is rather simple. You know, we need to figure out how to balance benefit realization 
with risk levels and resource use. In other words, we need to ensure that we're getting the benefits for which we've implemented and maintained the technology, and we're balancing those benefits against the risk levels associated with its use and the investments that we're making. And I like to think of that graphically, you know, and this is my attempt to present that value creation equation, if you will, uh, in a picture. And on the right-hand side, we have the benefits for which we would deploy technology to begin with. And our goal is to balance that against the risk and resources, the risks that we take on or avoid, and the resources that we deploy for that technology to ensure that we're generating benefits for the enterprise and our key stakeholders. And it's this concept, this value creation or value formula that sits at the heart of the concept of IT governance and management. And what I'd like to do is introduce a little bit of what we mean by that by using an ISACA framework as a model. And that framework is called COBIT-5. Uh, COBIT used to stand for Control Objectives for Information Related Technologies. It was a control framework that sprang into existence in the mid-1990s, 1996 to be exact. Uh, and COBIT experienced its 20th anniversary just a couple years ago. And it's kind of expanded in its scope and role and is now considered you know, an extremely good and well-grounded IT governance and management framework. And I want to introduce some of the principles and concepts of COBIT as a way to introduce the general concept of IT governance. And the framework itself is really centered or built around a set of five basic fundamental principles, which really aren't unique to COBIT-5. I mean, they're good management principles to start with and includes extensive guidance on this thing that we call enablers. Uh, enablers are things that we can do individually or collectively that help us reach a goal. And in this goal, that, or in this instance, that goal is the governance and management of enterprise IT. So we're gonna spend a little bit of time talking about that. And the focus is on the principles, uh, you know, and the idea that these are things that we can do as senior leaders within our organizations to start moving us towards better information security. And here they are graphically. Uh, and the first principle upon which COVID-5 is based kind of ties back to that value creation formula that we talked about. You know, most organizations have a governance requirement to create value for its stakeholders, and that would be no different if we're looking to provide better governance over information technology and information security. Uh, the trick, of course, it's not as always it's not always as easy as it seems because we all know that we have multiple stakeholders uh, in our respective organizations, and unfortunately, sometimes the needs of those stakeholders are in conflict. But as a governance principle, you know we need frameworks within IT and information security to help us meet those needs. Uh, the second principle is we really need to cover the enterprise end to end. Uh, you know, we made in one of our assertions this notion that. IT has become pervasive. And if that's so, then when we look at our assessment, governance, and management of that IT, you know, we need to go everywhere in the organization where that technology is being used. And that stems from the boardroom through management into our operations. One thing that's a little bit about, a little bit unique about COVID-5 is this notion of applying a single integrated framework. And I mentioned earlier that there's a lot of governance and there's many standards and a lot of best practices that we have for related to or to uh, deploy information security practices. 
what COVID-5 tries to do is provide a bit of what we might call an overarching or umbrella framework that integrates those best practices and complements them from the perspective of governance and management. Uh, we want to enable a holistic approach. Uh, this notion that information security and IT management is just an IT thing isn't correct. Uh, you know, we need to look at all the enablers within the enterprise and the complete breadth and depth of what we're doing with information technology if we're going to be successful in management, managing it appropriately. And then the final principle is we need to make a distinction between governance and management. You know, our governance bodies you know, and our management bodies are typically separate. You know, governments, governance is typically performed by the board under the direction of the chairman, you know, management uh, in the management ranks under the control of the CEO. And they have different purposes and requirements. And a sound principle related to IT governance is to recommend and support those differences. You know, I, I use this word enabler and mentioned it earlier uh, in COVID speak. You know, these are the seven key enablers to ensuring a more effective approach to IT governance and management. We're going to concentrate predominantly on the principles because I believe the principles and the policies and the frameworks that we choose as senior leaderships uh, is incredibly important because, you know, it's our responsibility, if you will, to set the tone and communicate our expectations and what we want from those programs. And without that solid foundation, it's much harder to be successful uh, in applying sound management practices. Uh, processes are obviously important, you know, and any IT governance or management framework will have a full body of processes that address both the governance and the management responsibilities. But equally important are things like organizational structures. You know, how we decide to staff and assign roles and responsibilities is critical to the success of what we can do in managing our information security programs. And this is an area, quite frankly, where our HR colleagues can be extremely helpful in us forwarding, you know, the maturity of our information security programs. Just as in culture, ethics, and behavior, you know, what we believe and how we act you know, and the values we imbue within our organization are incredibly important, especially as it relates to information security. Uh, we've talked a little bit about information and the pervasiveness of that. Uh, information is clearly a resource that we want to manage within our organizations, but it's also critically important as an enabler or a driver, if you will, uh, for ses successful information security. You know, it gives us the ability to put in the manner and the metrics by which we're going to measure our success. Oftentimes, you know, when we talk to people about information security or IT management, you know, we immediately go to services, infrastructure, and applications. This is the tech component. And this is obviously important, but what we're trying to demonstrate with this idea of enterprise enablers is it's not the only thing that will contribute to the success of these programs. And then we come back to people again. You know, do we have the right people with the right skills and competencies? Have we created the appropriate organizational structures in which to put those people? And are we pushing forward the right culture, ethics, and behavior? And I think all that stems from some basic principles like what we're trying to describe here. And this is all interconnected and there's a lot of dynamic interaction between these enablers, but it, it, it addresses, if you will, this idea of taking a holistic approach. 
We talked a little bit about meeting the needs of our stakeholders. Uh, this is an attempt to represent the concept that we call the goal cascade, uh, which is basically this notion that what we need to do is recognize that we have multiple stakeholders within our organizations, and those stakeholders have things that drive their needs, and sometimes they compete. You know, some of those stakeholders are external, maybe a regulatory body. Some are internal, you know, maybe your risk management group. But there's lots of influences, and part of our job, you know, as a governance function is to attempt to deliver benefits to each and every one of those stakeholders by balancing or optimizing risk and resource use, like our Zen stones. But what I want you to notice is the direction of the arrows. Those stakeholder needs should really be cascading and driving what we could call our enterprise goals or our enterprise strategies. You know, those derive from what we're trying to do to create that value equation. And only then, you know, can we cascade down and define what the IT-related goals should be for our information security programs. Uh, you'll recall we talked about the research that ISOC has done. You know, one of the number three challenge after cybersecurity uh, in risk management was to figure out ways that we could get better alignment between what we're doing in IT and what the goals and expectations are of the enterprise. And it's this concept of the goal cascade that helps us do that. And then we can determine what we want from our enablers. What types of organizational structures should we have in place? What are we doing to improve our culture, ethics, and behavior? And do we have the right people with the right skills and competencies to help us reach those IT goals in support of the enterprise. And we call this the goal cascade because it flows from our stakeholder needs. And oftentimes when we talk to people, clients and prospects, you know, this is an area where there, there is some you know, uh, misalignment between what we do at the level of the enterprise and IT. And then finally, just a little bit more of an explanation of what we mean when we say separation of governance and management. You know, if we accept the fact that, you know, typically the board is responsible for setting the strategy and direction of our organizations based upon the needs of the business or the stakeholders, it's really their job to try to evaluate, you know, where to allocate the benefits, how to balance the risk and where to put resources and provide direction to our management group on how we do that. And then it's management's role to plan, build, run, and monitor all the activities and processes that are necessary to reach those goals and provide the mechanisms by which we can get oversight from the board. You know, by looking at IT governance as a, a framework in which to better address our information security, you know, we can then recognize the need that, you know, we really need to help empower our boards to better do the evaluation, directing, and monitoring and then provide good sound management practices based on strong principles to plan, build, run, and monitor those systems. And you know, this is kind of a, a little bit of a unique notion within the space of IT at least, but especially this idea of separating governance and management we think is critically important. So if you adopt those principles, you know, and think about those practices, you know, it kind of leads to a question of what should we expect from our enterprises and executives with respect to providing governance and management over the IT function? You know, and we would suggest that at least at a high level, you know, there's a small handful of desired outcomes. And I'll let you take a look at those for a second. I'm going to check and see if we have any questions. 
But there's two in this list that I think are particularly relevant and direct to information security. And, uh, you know, we can see if we agree on which two of those are. And I'll just kind of flip through some of these questions. Uh, man, here's a great question. And uh, it, it's asking about uh, having training uh, for senior leadership but wondering if it's robust, where a few carry uh, air or activities we should focus on. Uh, I think you read my mind. Uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit. And so if I don't answer your question, we'll circle back to that one. Uh, but man, that's a terrific question. Thanks for whoever asked that. Uh, let me flip back to this slide real quick. So these would be desired outcomes of strengthening your governance uh, over IT and information security. But two of these that I think are particularly relevant for our discussion today. Sorry. Uh, the first one is maintaining IT-related risk at an acceptable level. You know, on the surface, that seems pretty straightforward, you know, but I, I think there's some gotchas here. First of all, you know, are you doing IT-related risk assessment? You know, and if you're not, then how do we identify those risks? You know, our recommendation is to begin integrating IT-related risk assessment into your overall enterprise risk management systems because we think that makes sense, especially if you accept the assertion that most of our critical business processes are dependent upon IT, which raises the second thorny issue, and that is what's an acceptable level. And oftentimes when we talk to people, there, there's not a shared understanding of how we measure risk or what our risk tolerance uh, or appetite is. So it's a little more challenging maybe than it looks at first, but we really need to have an expectation from our management leadership that we're maintaining IT-related risk at an acceptable level. You know, and think about your own organization and ask this question. Even better, ask this question in your next business management meeting. And then the second one, which seems kind of obvious, is the compulsory requirements we're being faced with. You know, there's a growing amount of legislation, regulations. Uh, we're entering into contracts with customers and suppliers and vendors and even crafting our own policies. And we would hope that by uh, engaging in better governance and management that we would be better positioned to comply with these laws, regulations, and requirements. So these are the kinds of things that we would expect, you know, from a more structured approach over IT and information security. And it's a great time, I think, to introduce yet another polling question. And Mike, again, if I could request your assistance on this. Uh, and this question is, is information security risk assessment a regular agenda item at business management meetings? Is information security risk assessment a regular agenda item at business management meetings? In other words, when your management groups get together and talk about high-level business needs and strategies, are you talking about information security risk assessment? It doesn't have to be at every meeting, but, but at least on a regular basis. And it looks like 81% have already voted. Uh, we're gonna hold it open a little bit longer. Uh, you might be surprised to hear this. There's actually some requirements in how long we hold the polling questions open. So, uh, you know, if you'll be patient, we wanna give everybody ample opportunity to answer the question, especially uh, given that it's a determinant of whether you qualify for the CPE. But it looks like the responses have kind of stabled and Mike's gone ahead and closed the poll. 
Uh, 31% of us said we do, 42% uh, no, 27% don't know. Uh, for the 31% that said yes, congratulations. Uh, obviously, we think that's a best practice. Uh, for the 69% that either know, uh, said no or don't know, uh, I would really encourage you to raise this question at your business management meetings and think about how you're integrating some assessment of your information security uh, into your overall organizational strategies and practices. Uh, got trigger happy, excuse me. <clears throat> so we talked about the leadership gap, you know, the ISACA research to kind of lay a foundation, if you will, of why we think something like IT governance would be important. We talked a little bit about COVID-5 uh, in the context of the five basic principles and this concept of looking at IT governance much more holistically, right? It's just not technology, has a lot to do with people and process as a way of an introduction. What I'd like to do now is drill down uh, a little more and talk about this from the perspective of information security specifically. And I suspect that you would not be surprised to hear that, you know, COVID-5 has specific guidance in this area. And, you know, when we've talked about this product a little bit in the past, I really, you know, talked about it as a single entity. It's really a product family. And I'm not suggesting that you run out and adopt COVID-5, but I think, you know, the perspective that ISOC has taken with this is incredibly important. There's other IT governance platforms. ISO has one as an example uh, that's incredibly good as well. But, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about enablers. Uh, COVID has enabler guides. Uh, you know, if this is something that you decide you want to pursue more thoroughly, uh, how to, you know, implement processes and manage information. Uh, there are COVID-5 for information security, which we're going to talk about a little bit here uh, in the third part of the presentation. It's what they call a professional guide. Uh, provides guidance for somebody that would take on the responsibility for, you know, implementing the information security program. If you're from an HR background and you're looking at doing process improvement around things like, you know, uh, IT governance framework, there's guidance for that. Uh, if you're in a, an assurance role or a compliance role, COVID-5 for assurance is a good resource. And if you're in risk, COVID-5 for risk. So it's an entire complementary product family that's matured over 20 years, which is why we're particularly fond of it and like to use it in our consulting. But it's not mandatory that you use COVID-5 to adopt IT governance. I want to be very clear about that. Uh, the principles that we talked about earlier. Uh, you know, COVID-5 for information security is based on the same five core principles that we've been talking about. We need to meet our stakeholder needs. Uh, we think we need a, a, to cover the enterprise end to end. It would be nice to integrate guidance uh, using the enablers to take on a whole holistic approach and separating governance from management. Uh, those same principles apply, uh, as do the enablers that we've been talking about. Uh, but again, you know, for our purposes today, I really want to focus in on the principles piece because, again, I think this is an area, quite frankly, uh, where as part of the leadership team, uh, we can affect a lot of positive improvements in our information security programs uh, by, you know, promoting principles, setting direction, and helping people understand what our expectations are. Uh, I'm not going to read through all these. Uh, this is simply ins uh, inserted here. If you go back and review the slide deck uh, to give you a taste of how 
uh, COVID-5 for information security addresses this. Uh, if you're from HR as an example, and you look at number seven, the people skills and competencies, you know, ISOC has provided through COVID-5 a lot of guidance on what you would look for in terms of setup and design, uh, your, 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 uh, you know, how you recruit and develop and train people. You know, kind of the same way with the organizational structures, how we align roles and responsibilities. Uh, I don't know if you found it interesting or you noticed, but, you know, we, we've uh, talked for about 35 minutes here. We really haven't defined information security yet, so I thought I'd take a minute to do that. Uh, you know, the reason we kept it for this part of the presentation is we really wanted to drive home on those core principles first and introduce this IT, this idea of IT governance. Uh, this definition is pretty standard. I think anybody that you talk to that is in information security or any standards organization or good practices group will have a similar definition, but, you know, this is ISACA's spin on it, that information security is something that ensures that within our organization, you know, our information is protected against disclosure to unauthorized users and this, this notion of confidentiality. You know, it's something that protects our information from improper modification, which is the integrity component, and then making sure that it's there when we need it. You know, we can drill down on those a little bit. You know, when we talk about confidentiality, really what we're talking about is having some process or system where we can preserve authorized restrictions on access and disclosure of our information. And that can be extended into privacy too. Uh, there's a lot going on right now in the news about privacy related to social media, if you've been keeping up with that. It's this notion of confidentiality and also protecting proprietary information. You know, if you're a manufacturer, you know, you want to protect your intellectual property and maybe your estimating process or it could be the design for a new product. But maintaining confidentiality is, is a core goal of information security. And when we talk about integrity, what we're really talking about is guarding against improper modification or destruction uh, of our information. And, you know, that's expanded to include this notion of ensuring this uh, idea of non-repudiation. As more and more things are going digital, including transaction flows, we want to be able to ensure that parties to those transactions can't repudiate their participation, kind of the traditional notion of a wet signature and a seal, if you will. And also the idea of authenticity, you know, certainly that we can ensure that who we're transacting business with is who they say they are. And then availability. Uh, if you yourself or know somebody that's fallen victim to a ransomware attack or you've had a server that quit working and you couldn't get access to critical information, you're keenly aware of what we're trying to do and we protect availability. Uh, I also didn't give you, you know, a more formal definition of principle, but, you know, I want to talk about it here because we're going to introduce some more information security principles and also to emphasize the point that you know, especially in governance and management, you know, it's our principles that comprise the values, you know, and the assumptions that we hold as a leadership group. You know, it kind of defines, if you will, our beliefs and helps guide and put boundaries around what we do in terms of our decisions, how we communicate with our people, both inside and outside the organization, and perhaps most importantly, what our expectations are from an information security program to start with. And I think that's an area, again, 
where people like us that are on this webinar can have a significant influence within our organization if we can begin to at least have the discussion around principles and push those out you know, through our decision making. You know, I'm using that as a segue because I want to introduce a set of information security principles uh, that were developed a few years ago uh, in collaboration between ISACA, you know, who we've been talking about, but also two other global leaders in information security, the Information Security Forum and ISC Squared. And what these three organizations did is they came together and said, could we develop a set of non-proprietary principles that people that have an interest in information security could adopt to improve the information security within their organizations? And this was their attempt at doing that. And they kind of organized these principles into three what they called task categories, supporting the business, defending the business, and promoting a responsible information security behavior. So, you know, these principles, which again, we've included references at the back of the slide deck where you can download those, these principles in and of themselves are a takeaway that you could use to begin to think about your own organization and start to have these discussions. And in fact, I would ask you as we march through these to kind of think about whether or not these principles are being followed and if they're embedded in what you do within your own respective organization. And you'll, you'll see a little of ISACA's flavor in there from what we've already talked about because they were a principal contributor to this, but the idea is that these stand on their own. So in that first category of supporting the business, you know, the first principle is to focus on the business. If we're going to ensure that we have good information security processes, they need to be integrated into our essential business activities. This kind of goes back to an assertion we made earlier where we said information and information technology is pervasive. You know, it, it's a critical key asset that drives many of our critical business processes. So we need to focus on the business first you know, and strive to deliver quality and value to our stakeholders so we can ensure that that information security meets those business requirements. And kind of going back, if you remember, to those governance challenges, you know, where a majority of respondents said we need to do a better job of aligning IT, and in this case, information security, to the needs of the business. We've talked about this, you know, we need to comply with relevant legal and regulatory requirements. Uh, that's critically important. Uh, it should be an expectation of our stakeholders, and certainly it's in our best interest if we want to manage our exposure to civil or criminal penalties uh, for failing to comply. And we want to provide timely and accurate information on our security performance. In other words, if we're going to provide good governance and management over our information security strategies and processes, we need the information to know and manage those. And then we want to evaluate current and future information threats. You know, ask your board, ask your senior leadership if you're analyzing and assessing emerging information security threats. Because if you're not, you're not going to be able to respond in a timely basis and employ the appropriate controls to mitigate those risks. You don't have to be the IT guy to ask that question. And we want to promote continuous improvement in those processes to reduce costs and improve improve efficiency and effectiveness, but, you know, maybe more important, even just to keep up with the developments that we're seeing from the threat landscape and the bad guys. Uh, and continuous improvement processes and measuring those, again, is an area where I think 
our HR colleagues have a lot of experience and expertise can help us do and manage that. So these first six principles were oriented around supporting the business. And the next four are about defending it. Uh, you know, this principle is to adopt a risk-based approach. You know, a risk-based approach to addressing your information security will help you ensure that you're doing it in a consistent and effective manner. You know, if you can integrate your IT risk management into your in enterprise risk management, all the better. Uh, protect your classified information. You know, when we go out and talk to businesses and we start talking about information security, one of the first questions we ask is, do you differentiate between different types of information or do you treat everything the same? And unfortunately, there's a lot of organizations that don't look at the information and classify it based upon its sensitive sensitivity, you know, or the critical nature of the data. You know, and that's incredibly important because we have scarce resources to allocate and we want to allocate them where we're going to get the most benefit and that would be by protecting that information that we've decided to classify. Concentrate on critical business applications first. <clears throat> information security resources are expensive, they're hard to deploy, they're hard to maintain, but they're necessary. And so to prioritize how we allocate those resources, we should concentrate on those critical business applications where if we had a security or business continuity event, it would have the greatest negative business impact on the organization. You know, ask within your organization, are you doing any type of business impact analysis to evaluate, you know, whether you're allocating resources appropriately? And then develop systems securely. You know, if you're developing your own software, this would apply, but it also applies if you're using end-user computing tools like sophisticated Excel workbooks to trade data with business partners or clients. You know, ensure that you're applying good security hygiene. And then finally, you know, how do we promote responsible information security behavior? I think that starts with us. I mean, we have to act in a professional and ethical manner and set the standard so that we can ensure that the way we operate and perform our duties on a day-to-day -day basis are meeting our information security needs. And you know, we need to be the champions of fostering a secure, positive culture within our organization. The better we train our people, you know, and the more consistently we do it, you know, with positive reinforcement, you know, the better the odds are that we can reduce the likelihood of security incidents occurring in the first place or if they do occur, we can position ourselves well to limit the potential negative business impact. So these are 12 information security principles uh, presented in the slides, but we've included some handouts for you too, that I would really encourage you to think strongly about and try to introduce into the discussions that you have uh, within your senior leadership group. Uh, we want to introduce one more polling question. Uh, and Mike, if you could help us out, that would be pretty good. And this question is, uh, are security roles and responsibilities clearly defined and communicated within the organization? So within your respective organizations, have you defined a comprehensive set of security roles and responsibilities that are tailored to the, the roles themselves and has that been communicated? Do people know where to go if they have a question about information security? You know, do people understand within their particular job role what those requirements are? 76%? All right. Uh, the response is 68% said yes. Uh, that's terrific. 
18% know, 14% don't know. So for the 32% of us that aren't doing that, you know, that doesn't make you bad people, but we would strongly encourage you to consider maybe work with your HR group as an example to better define that. So I, there was a real good question about, you know, training and awareness programs uh, and how to tailor those maybe to senior leadership. You know, we're going to kind of try to answer that maybe in a little bit of a backhand way, but we can talk more about it at the end of the webinar. But if we take these principles that we talked about, you know, how can you introduce those? You know, whether it's the five core COVID principles or, or maybe more easily the 12 principles that we talked about for information security, how could you introduce those in your respective organizations? And what we've done is we've prepared some takeaways, if you will, or some handouts that we made available uh, from uh, where you went to register for the webinar. I think they're also available now uh, to download. And they're based on uh, what we call the COVID Security Baseline and Information Security Survival Kit. Uh, this is actually from an older version of COVID, but they did such a good job in terms of defining how to introduce security principles in general uh, to people in different roles and responsibilities that we adapted those to some one-page handouts and made them available for you here on the presentation. All right, so, all right, so, so how can, sorry about that folks, I didn't catch that. Uh, so how can I introduce these principles? You know, when I get off this webinar, I go to my next management meeting. Uh, we've prepared some handouts or some takeaways uh, that you can use, and I thought I might spend just a second talking about those. Uh, these aren't intended to be readable, you know, it's just to show you that when you do the hand download uh, that you got something that looks like it. And we're not going to drill through all of these, but these in many ways embody the principles, the 12 principles that we just talked about. Uh, and, you know, there was a question about how to do better security and awareness for uh, senior leadership. You know, a great place to start might be to sit down and introduce these handouts to the appropriate meeting. You know, I've been told by people that we give these to that especially the one that we designed for the board of directors has been, uh, you know, especially, uh, you know, effective, I guess, in engaging boards in discussions. And just to give you an example, what these do is they kind of highlight some specific risk areas for roles. So for like the board of directors and then present some questions and actions for the board. And when you download and review these, I think you'll see that what these do is they kind of capture most of the principles that we've talked about. Uh, and for example, if you're in a meeting with your board, you know, and you're talking about specific risk, you know, try to determine if the board is aware or unaware of its risk exposures. And if the board's unaware of its risk exposures, that in itself is a significant information security risk. Or do they fully understand and comprehend the legal and regulatory requirements that are being, uh, you know, that apply to your organization? If you're in retail, PCI or healthcare, HIPAA, you know, or, or, or whatever the particular instance may be, or what you've entered into contractually. And then what we did is we provided some questions as well. And a couple that I like to ask boards is when was the last time management got involved in security related decisions? Or how often does management get involved in progressing the security solutions? Uh, or one that one of my uh, colleagues told me was especially effective is does management know who is responsible for security? Does the responsible individual know? And does everyone else in the organization know? 
uh, you know, for this audience, the good news is 68% of you said yes. And then it doesn't show up on the slide itself, but it is on the handouts when you download them. We provide some specific recommendation uh, for how to uh, take actions if you're a board. You know, the first of which is set direction. Part of that evaluate direct monitor concept that we talked about in governance. Define the cultural values related to risk awareness and what your principles are. Drive the policies and the strategy related to information security. Participate in the IT risk management, define a global risk profile and set priorities. But perhaps most importantly, if you're on the board, assign responsibilities to the appropriate people in management. So, you know, these are the handouts. Uh, we've made them available for you to download, uh, you know, download them, use them. And, you know, for the person that asked a really good question about how maybe to hone uh, the training for, you know, senior leadership, uh, there's a lot of good guidance in these uh, survival kits themselves, you know, and it can kind of point you into a direction where you can invest a little time to provide that type of training. Uh, so our agenda, uh, we talked about the leadership gap, introduced to MySaka research, uh, took a very brief tour through the COVID-5 framework to try to establish maybe a foundation, if you will, of what you could achieve with IT governance and spent the last part of the presentation talking predominantly about information security principles from that perspective. You know, I hope in some small way at least that we've introduced some principles that you can use to better understand and address your needs uh, with the ultimate goal, as we said earlier, to protect and sustain your information systems and more importantly, the processes that rely on them. Uh, I did promise you some references, so they're included in the slide deck, and the slides are available for download. Uh, I'm a bit of a quote geek, so I always like to include a quote uh, in my webinars. I think this one from The Art of War, Sun Tzu, is particularly appropriate. Uh, and if you take some of these principles that we've talked about, you know, start discussing in your board meetings or executive management meetings and raising the questions of whether you're doing that, and doing it well, and if you could do better, I think you will be progressing yourself to a point where you're going to be better capable to defeat the cyber criminals and avoid the security and continuity events without effort having to engage in the fight. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Mike at this point uh, so he can do some of the wind-up uh, for uh, the HCRI and NASPA credit and give you some guidance on what you can do to download the presentation. Uh, you know, I would like to tell you that we very much appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedules to join us. Uh, you know, we're very passionate about this topic, you know, and really want to figure out ways that we can better help organizations like yours uh, advance their information security programs. Uh, we do believe very strongly that it starts with senior leadership. Uh, we don't think you need to be IT experts, but we think, you know, if you can adopt some of these principles uh, and begin to integrate that into the way you govern and manage your organization so that you'll be better prepared and have stronger, more reliable and consistent information security programs. So thank you very much for joining us. So, Brian, uh, one other question that came in during your presentation there, when allocating resources to information security, should we focus on high likelihood but low impact risks or high impact and low likelihood risks? 
Uh, that's a great question. You know, the conventional guidance, I'll start with the high impact, low, li low likelihood risk, <clears throat> is sometimes that's an area where, you know, you would seek some type of risk mitigation, you know, where you try to transfer some of those. Uh, the, the one example that often comes to mind, you know, natural disasters that are clearly high impact, but extremely low, high, low likelihood risks. You know, those are instances where, you know, you try to defray uh, some of the financial impact maybe, you know, by you know, buying insurance to cover that and then invest in good business continuity and disaster recovery plans uh, versus uh, high, like, uh, high likelihood, low impact. Uh, I guess it depends on the nature uh, and area of the risk. Uh, you know, sometimes those can be covered by, you know, other risk mitigation steps. Uh, if the impact is uh, low enough uh, that the cost or the effort of implementing countermeasures and safeguards exceeds the cost of the impact, and that impact isn't going to result, which I assume because it's low impact already, you know, in some type of breach of confidentiality or privacy, then sometimes we might just choose to accept those. But for any type of risk, the general advice would be, you know, review those periodically. And another thing to consider, too, is sometimes a lot of low-impact risk can aggregate into a more significant risk for the organization. And when that series of low-impact risks, you know, can be uh, managed through the deployment of a very similar set of controls or countermeasures, we might go ahead and implement those anyway. All right. Thanks, Brian. That looks to be all the questions that we had come in today. Again, we'd like to thank everybody for taking time to join Brian and I on the webinar. Hope you'll swing by AGH University and check out our other upcoming webinars. And I think with that, we'll wish everybody a great rest of your day. Thanks for attending.